Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. It's kind of loud there, son. Well, I want to get everybody's attention. Yeah, you got them. You got mine. Good. Damn. This show's brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Right, Jeff? Yes, Dive Bomb. The leading manufacturer of silhouette decoys in the United States of America. Easily. Bar none. Snow goose socks. It's snow goose season for all you poor fuckers that are out there tromping through the mud, laying in the mud. Didn't sound fun. But you might as well go out and get you about a hundred dozen of those dive bomb socks because you can't beat them. They're light, easy to tote. Easy to carry around. So when you're bogging down to your knees in that mud, at least the package isn't that fucking heavy. So go to divebombindustries.com today and get you some snow socks or just start stocking up because before you know it, the season's going to be here again. And you're going to need more more silhouettes and just more everything. So go to DiveBombIndustries.com today. Get what you need for the snow goose season and for the winter of 2019 and 2020. This podcast is also brought to you by 737 Duck Calls. The only duck calls I blow. And, you know, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, big guy right here, if I blow a call, the birds work. I don't waste my time dilly-dallying around with other calls. I use the best. I use a 737 number one and that's 737duckcalls.com, made in Oklahoma, by people from Oklahoma, and they kill ducks all over. That's 737duckcalls.com. And this show's brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. They're changing the game. Bismuth is the way to go. You don't want to be spending your time sending your dog after cripples like Steve Barber does and all this other stuff. You want to you stay in the blind, get ready for the next flock. You might as well just kill them on the first shot. Boss Shot Shells is the way to go. Last day of the season, I ran out of Boss Shot Shells. I had half a box left. I didn't think about bringing another box. So I looked in, I had some another box of just regular steel shot. Big time difference between shooting birds and killing birds. If you want to kill birds, you need to use some Boss Shot Shells. You know who I noticed had Boss? Who? Your fucking brother on that last hunt. Yeah, he got a box of them. What the fuck? Where'd he get a box from? Probably from right out of the office. Oh... And that's another thing that'll irritate you when you get this when you get this boss and you start seeing some people shooting it uh, that that you know didn't have authorization to be shooting it. It irks you a little bit. Go to Boss Shot Shells. This show's also brought to you by Lucky Duck. We just got a new Lucky Duck Predator call. Jeff's been messing with it all day. Oh, that sucker's badass. I'm gonna go bust it. I want to shoot some foxes. I've got some foxes by the house. I'm gonna try the call out and see about calling one up. I'm gonna shoot him with a little twenty-two. I want to get one mounted. My, yeah. my, my microphone a little off right there. All the time. All the time. So Lucky Duck doesn't just make great spinners. They also make stuff for your Predator adventures. So you, you don't have to look very far. You can get everything you need. They've also got a nice turkey decoy. So just go to them. Go to Lucky Duck. They got everything that you need. Best, by far the best spinner in the market. Love the remote mm-hmm. control. It's J- handy. Jump on them, folks. LuckyDuckDecoys.com. And this show is also brought to you by Athlon Optics. You got to see a way to scout. You got you to gotta be looking for that predator. You got to be looking for that turkey coming down the ridge. Athlon Optics is the way to go. Premium, premium binoculars, scopes, whatever you need at a discounted price. Bargain price. You cannot beat it. Athlon Optics. Another company made in America. Made in America. It's the way to go. Also, Sea Light LEDs is a proud sponsor of the Big Honker Podcast. You need lights on your trucks and trailers? Sea Light has got you set up. Go to Sea Light LEDs, 
get you those big old fancy light bars, stick them everywhere. Illuminate the night. You need it, especially if you hang out with guys like I do. They set some fucking doozies of spreads, so see light, I can see what these hooligans are up to. This show's brought to you by William and Chris Vineyards. You're a wine guy, ain't you? Oh, Valentine's coming up. Go to one of those hoity-toity H-E-B Central Market, Market Street. Go to one of those shops for Valentine. Get you a nice... uh, Nice bottle of panty removers. Get you a nice uh, pair of filet mignons and a and a nice red to go along with it. Make it'll make the night a little bit more interesting. That's William and Chris Vineyards. They're in all the place where people wear yoga pants and they look good doing it. Or you can check them out at williamchriswines.com and uh, they'll ship you one if you don't like getting out into civilization. So anyway, Valentine's coming up. I highly highly recommend you go get you a bottle. The panties just dropped. Finally, this show is brought to you by Stanfield Hunt Outfitters. Where everybody wearing yoga pants don't look good. It's kind of like a Walmart. Mm-mm. You don't want to see you don't want to see these guys in yoga pants. Weekday, I could pull it off. <laughs> weekday dove spe- special or not specials. Weekday dove hunts. That's what I got left, folks. If you want to shoot some dove, come to Texas. We can do it all inclusive meals, lodging, two morning dove hunts, two afternoon dove hunts, all your meals. $450. Where else can you take 10 clients for $4,500 and treat them, get to spend time with them, and hang out with the guys from the Big Honker Podcast? That's stanfieldhuntingoutfitters.com. No, it's not. You messed up your own fucking website name. What is it? Stanfieldhunting.com. God damn it. It's been a long, it's been a long day. Jesus. Between the anti-animal people getting on my ass today, it's been a long day. Screw them. Stanfieldhunting.com, and we look forward to seeing you this fall. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. We're back, bitches. How was how was skiing, Jeff? Let's just dive right into it. That's what everybody's wanting to hear. I'm doing excellent, and skiing was just wonderful. You want me to give you more than that? You want me to like give you? The, I would like for you to quit texting. Just messaging the guy about the podcast back. Ah. Okay, here we go. I put all my shit down. Uh, skiing was okay. It was uh, not a young man sport. By any means. And are you a young man? No, and it's also not a fat guy sport. And am I fat? Yes, I am. It's a skinny guy sport for young people. Now, I've skied many times in my life. You said over 30. I probably have. Okay. I used to go two, three times a year for a long time. Probably 20 times is probably more accurate. Uh, And I was either really stupid then I didn't fall much before at all. Matter of fact, last couple of times again, I didn't fall at all. And it never hurt like I did when I fell this time. God almighty, it hurt. Oh, shit. That, we go to the first lift. This kid skied the first morning without me. It's like, y'all go ahead. Not not by – I mean, we didn't leave you out. No, 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 no. I chose 
It was snowing and it was windy. <clears throat> so start by saying that. We didn't fucking just leave you at the cabin. Okay, well, first first of all, Andy Andy rented the condo. Mm-hmm. And it had 473 stairs in it. <clears throat> four levels is what it was. It wasn't three. It was four levels. It was freaking miserable. Oh, my God. And I was smart, so I said, when we first got there, I said, I'm getting a bedroom on the bottom level. So me and Michelle got the room. Right as you come in the door. Right as you come in the door. But fuck, there wasn't a bathroom there. So if you had to pee in the middle of the night, you, you had, had to go, to go downstairs down or upstairs. Seven stairs. Andy, it was 77 stairs. It just looked like seven. Hmm. They were big stairs. Mm-hmm. And the first night, it wasn't so bad because it wasn't sore. I woke up that next morning. My back hurt. My, I bought Michelle a brand-new Jeep, one of those little uh, Grand Jeep. Cherokees. Yep. Fuck that. We're going back to suburban. <laughs> Why? It's just you my truck is time. It's uncomfortable. Well, they are uncomfortable to sit in. And this has got the, all the bells and whistles. This bitch does everything but massage your balls while you drive. But it's uncomfortable. And I didn't like it. My pickup, I would rather have taken my truck. My truck's comfortable. So I rode in this damn contraption all the way up there. I was sore. My back hurt when we got there. It was sore from sleeping on a fucking. We have our bedroom had a full size bed in it, and it was a small full size bed. It wasn't even a regular size. You know, like <laughs> California fuck. Kings. This was like a Connecticut full size. I mean, it was fucking was tiny. And then your your young oldest son decided he wanted to sleep with us the first night, and then Dylan did. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who got the bunk bed after that? Judge went and got in the bunk bed next to it. I figured you'd like that better. Nobody's messing with you. I slept in a fucking Connecticut twin size bed. Oh. I fucking whacked my fucking head twice on the ladder that was built on for these toddlers to sleep in. Then I'd drag my knuckles across the top every time I'd roll over and flip a cover over. I'm used to sleeping in a California King. This was so different. So I woke up the next morning. I hurt all over. Well, that after they, they hadn't came even in, gone skiing yet. Hadn't gone skiing. They talked all about the skiing. So I said, "That big daddy's going to show them what to do." <laughs> so that afternoon, that afternoon, I went down and begrudgingly walked the 7,000 feet to the um, ski lift from no, you did the parking not. lot. It seemed that far. We drove you right to the entrance. It was a big entrance, though. It's a grand place, big place. So we walk in, and walking in them ski boots is not is not fun. Is it? Never has been. It's not when you weigh 240 pounds on a good day. <laughs> and I do weigh at least 240. So... I put these fucking boots on. I, I walk up there and I put my skis on. And Jesse is so sweet. My, my, I'm telling you right now, my kids were really good to me. They really were. They worked, watched out for me. They worried about me. And Jesse's like, okay, Judge, we'll go over here and we'll go this little bunny slope. Fuck that bunny slope shit. Yep. Big Daddy that's, that's, skied before. That's all I, That's all we heard about yep. leading up to this. Why the fuck are we going to do the bunny runs? Let's do the Chili Express. So we, I strap them puppies on. And we go to the medium, not the bunny slope. Right. This would be like the Easter bunny slope. It's a little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. We go to it. I get my skis. I kind of get a feel for it. I thought, boy, my center of gravity is a little different than it used to be. Slide right on down to get on the lift. Wham! Bust my ass right before you get on the lift. Never done that in my life. That's like getting fired on your day off. Oh, it's embarrassing. God, buddy. Uh. And everybody's like, are you okay? Okay. Zach Zach checked on me. And all I hurt was my pride, my my left hip a little bit. So get back up on the, the the deal and i thought fuck that's no getting on a damn i just i just turned my ski a little bit and got a little off gravity <laughs> so got on the got on the lift and go up to the top of the mountain Mi- not top. the top okay. the medium top real so just one little hill there we get to the top of it and i go to get off the bo- the deal <laughs> never had any problem getting off fucking lift in my life easiest part of skiing it is 
and bust my freaking ass big time this time. I mean, I fucking yard sailed it coming off the deal. Skis go flying everywhere. Freaking head bounces off the stuff. I'm fucking embarrassed. Get up and, and get my shit on. Then I ski down. And Shelby's trying to help pick me up. And Jesse and Reese had stayed below. So then we, we ski on down. I ski on down pretty good. And then we go to get on again, and everybody thinks it's real funny and shit. And Tony's like, well, how'd you fall? I said, fuck, I don't know. I fell twice. <laughs> well, you, you, you fell getting off also? Fuck yeah, I did. So we get on, and I'm going to get on. Everybody's like, are you going to be okay? Fuck yeah, I get on the damn ski lift. Done this a thousand times. Get on right up with your wife the second time. We go up to the top. Tony and Kylie are in front of us. They get off. Go to get off. And something happened. Don't know what happened, but. All I know is that, thank God, Tony is not videotaping because I busted my ass that time harder than I did the first time. That's where you broke your coccyx. Oh, it fucking hurt. So then I got all my shit together again. We take off to ski down. We had to take a family photo. So if you see the family photo and I've got snow and shit all over (laughs) me, it's because I've busted my ass three times now in five minutes. Take off skiing and I bust the hardest I've busted in my life. I don't know what I did, but I lost everything. (laughs) Shot the goggles 20 feet off my head. I don't know how you can lose goggles and kick them that far down the mountain. Got all my shit on and skied down. And I made a couple runs and I did okay. Then we decided to go to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So I skied to the top of the mountain. Got on the Chili Express, the long one. Got on no problem at all. I noticed nobody rode with me up there, though. I guess I had a danger sign rode on me, so I got to ride. Well, th- it was Jesse and I behind you with Reese, and we didn't want you taking all of us out. That was probably a smart move. Because what do I do? I get to the top. I go to get off. Bust your ass again. Fuck yeah. I get my head low so I don't get hit with the damn. Because I, I was with, <laughs> with a buddy of mine, Jerry Hastings, one time. <laughs> I saw him. We got off a ski lift one time. And I was with this girl in front of him. And she goes, oh, somebody fell. I said, oh, some dumbass. I look behind me and my buddy's there. And he rates his head up about the time the ski lift stops. Mm. and comes back and hits him right in the fucking <laughs> head. So I kept my head low so that wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to get hit by the ski lift. So That's just insult to injury. Then I skied down the mountain. And I fell a couple of times, but we got to the very last run, and you can go down a blue or you can go around and do the green. And I took off down that blue, and Andy's hollering, no, no, Jeff, Jeff, no, no, that's a blue. Fuck it. I could see the destination in my last place I was going to ski. The last ski that I, last skiing that I will ever do in my life was on that blue, and I did it. I will never, ever rent a ski, <laughs> buy a ski jacket, buy bibs, Get a Christmas present that's ski pants, whatever. Never again in my life will I touch a ski. I'm done. And it's such a fun sport. Oh, it's fucking just great. You know what? Payne summarized it best. You go to the top of a mountain, <laughs> then you ride down the whole time praying you're not going to get hurt. That's it. <laughs> and Payne did get hurt. Unfortunately, he uh, had a little shoulder injury. He he uh, fell. His shoulder took most of the fall, and uh, Zach is an EMT. He says it was dislocated. Some fly-by-night ortho specialist said it was never dislocated. I'm going with Zach. I, I felt it. <laughs> Shit. Um, I felt it. So. Anyways, he has a banged-up shoulder. Got a little, got a little banged-up shoulder. He's doing some band work now to get his shoulder back into, back into fighting shape. So. Yep. Uh, now ski to king. Yep. Andy. The first day, I was really impressed. Andy skied with Reese between his legs. And that's hard to do. I mean, I, I watched you guys and Zach with Dylan, too. And that's that's tough. Because you, my ass, I wouldn't do that shit because I'd kill one of them. 
<laughs> that ain't happening. They skied with them the whole time, and I told Andy after the first day, I said, you know, son, I'm really impressed <clears> with you. I said, you've done a good job. Oh, I'm fantastic. Phenomenal. No, you said fantastic. Did I? Yeah, the word you used was, I am fantastic. Fantastic. And Andy talked shit and gloated all night that night. Gave him little props. Then, the next day, they ski, and Zach outskied him, I heard. Zach says he outskied him. Now, your wife takes up for you, which means that he definitely did. Because your wife wouldn't defend you if, if, if you had outskied him. She said, well, now, remember, Andy had to ski with Reese all day between his legs. The second day, Dylan did not go. They had a little crash. On the first day. A little crashes ass. He fucking suplexed her ass across the damn ski place. Well, he had to. So they have a little, Zach and Dylan have a little crash on the first day. Dylan swears off skiing. So the second day, uh, Dylan did not go. Reese went. So all that morning, I had Reese uh, skiing with me. Zach did not have a toddler in between his legs skiing. So the afternoon, uh, Reese does not want to go skiing. So he stays with Dylan and Judd and Shell back at the condo. And it's just the it's just the grown up skiing, so we kind of let her hang loose on some blues and a couple blacks. And uh, by that time, my legs are tired. Zach's Zach's pretty fresh because he doesn't have any toddlers in between his legs that morning. And uh, yeah, there were a couple times that I fell, but I didn't realize that we were. I didn't realize it was a competition that mo- that afternoon. Well, everything y'all do is a competition. I didn't realize that, that we were shit. keeping keeping score because there were a bunch of times that Zach fell that I didn't even that I didn't even count. And then you gave me all this shit of falling off the lift. Uh-huh. Did you fall off the lift, Andy? I didn't. Did I, you fall? But I didn't fall off of the lift. You're you're making it sound like we're riding up and I fall off. What happened is okay. Well, I didn't fall off the lift either. I fall getting fell getting off getting the lift. off of the lift. You fell. Um. What happened was we were getting off of a lift and there was a family of about fifty, and they're just they've just stopped, right right where we get off. So. Uh, it was four of us on the lift. It was Jesse, myself, Shelby, and Zach. Zach and Shelby go to the right of this group. My wife goes around this group to the left. So I'm kind of like in the middle, like, well, shit, where do I go? Do I go to the right? Do I go to the left? And my right leg went to the right. My left leg went to the left and my ass went to the middle and right down I went. And that was the worst fall that I had. I thought I ripped everything from the rooter to the tutor. I thought I ripped everything. It was nasty. So everybody's laughing at me, of course. Uh, but it was a good time. We had a good time. Zach actually did a lot better than I thought he would do because he hadn't skied in 15 years either. He did real well. <laughs> so he was – He was doing jumps and things. He was 11 or 12 last time he went yeah. skiing. So he did really good. Shelby did really good. Jesse did really good. Um, did Tony do pretty Reese good? Reese did a lot better. Tony, Tony did good. Tony skied everything y'all did, didn't he? Except a couple of blacks. He didn't do he didn't do it with the veracity that we did, the veracity or whatever. That so word he is. used his brain, is what you're saying. Yeah, Zach and I, we would do these moguls, but we take it at full speed and bam, 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 bam. Tony, yeah, he, I'm betting it was bam, 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 bam. Tony, I can't ever prove different though, because I'm not going up there. Tony would meander around here, there. <laughs> He's smart. He did very well though. That last day, it was uh, real windy. They had the chili shut down. So um, didn't get didn't get to do much on the top of the mountain the last day, but Dylan did persevere. She didn't ski the second day, but she did ski the third day. I think she ended up having a pretty good time. Then the 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 MVP uh, was Jeff suggesting that we go to Red River and go tubing. See, they've got a little tubing there at Angel Fire. We were gonna do it. It's only four lanes, but uh, we ended up going to Red River. 
tube in there. And, and boy, was, I caught hell time. trying to get y'all to do that. God yeah, nobody wanted to do it. It's a long drive. Um, it was a good time though. Kids, the tubing it. was a whole lot was was much much better in uh, Red River than than it is Angel Fire. A lot more low key. Kids got to do what they want to do. Parents went. Yeah, with them. I think I think in Angel Fire, I think the tubing's pretty structured. You don't only four. You know, there's four lanes. I think they send you down Red River. It's a fucking free for all. And three or four hundred yards of it, which was a lot of fun. So, kids did that had a nice dinner. Uh, Red Rivers, I think, is a lot nicer town than Angel Fire too. A lot more to do. Angel Fire is a country club, basically. It's a private. I think. I mean, it's not private, but I think it's all set up as a country club. I think one guy owns it, maybe, or a little corporation yeah. probably does. But know. everything's count. Everything's based around just the the, the corporation's ski deal, the country club, everything. Mm-hmm. Where in Angel Fire, there was a lot more. There's locals own businesses there. And, Red River, you mean? I mean Red River a lot more. I've always enjoyed Red River. Red River's a cool town, mm-hmm. it, and it just—it's a whole different more atmosphere. But yeah, next year I hope we stay at Angel Fire. I, Red River. Red I would River. go again. I don't care about skiing. I don't give a fuck if I ever ski ever again. Now I will tell you the elevation messed with me because up these four flights of stairs, we stayed on the top. We figured with Jameson it would be the best place, kind of get him away from the noise. Uh, but. I was winded. I went to school. Packing that shit up and down and everything else. I went to school with the girl that lived in Vail for a long time, and now she lives at Lake Tahoe. And she told me that it takes uh, two months to get acclimated to everything. We get used to it. Well, I can tell you, the last day packing the the vehicles to go, come home, I was still struggling. Oh, well, yeah, but that's not two months. No, but I know She said that. it takes about two but months I, to I get But I figured acclimated. after about three or four or five days, you kind of feel a little bit better. That is not the case. Uh, I was, can you imagine being a pro athlete playing in somewhere like that? Now, that's... That's a huge advantage. Yes. That's 10,000 feet. Well, 8,000. Well, nobody's playing that high. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Denver's only playing at 6,000 feet, about right. almost 6,000 feet where Mile High Stadium is. And so, the, the, but that affects you a lot. But can you imagine eight or 10,000 feet? You know, the, they were going to play football at uh, Mexico Stadium. Yeah. Mexico City and Mexico City's at eight thousand feet. Mm-hmm. It's it's higher than Denver. Yeah, I mean that would be a major major advantage, especially a place like San Diego. That's uh, you know zero. Or, you know anywhere that's at sea level. Well, most places in yeah. the United States are, or, not, or they're not nothing like that. Right. There's very few towns and major cities in the United States that are at real high altitude. Yeah. But God Almighty, I'm telling you what, whew, my ass was shit. Boy, I'd breathe. I just sit in the truck. I'm be as soon as I get in the car, I'll be like, "Oh, thank God! Whew, thank I'm glad that's over." It was, was a lot of fun. It was good having everybody together. So you know, it was it was a good time. It was a good family trip. I saw somebody wrote on there that you know that's how lucky y'all's family is to get do things like that together, and that we are a close family. I mean, this podcast we argue and stuff a lot, but man, everybody's got each other's back and stuff. It's just part of it. You're yeah. gonna argue. We do argue a bunch. Okay, we're gonna talk a bit of waterfowl stuff. I saw it interesting thing that i'm on a couple of different forums and i get a lot of people sending me questions about my opinions on stuff and i don't know why but i I give everybody my opinion but one that caught my eye the other day was a gentleman both sides were complaining about this one side was a guy was leased out some property and he his side of the story is he leased out some property some guys he subleased some property the guys that subleased the property from him were complaining because the farmer went and put cannons up on after he got the rice off. I don't know much about rice farming. And that when they would go to hunt, these cannons were there, and all the birds were ran off the place. Mm-hmm. 
I, I would be pissed if I leased a place and went in and the farmers. Now, his side of the story from what I read was is that the farmer said if they don't go in there and hunt, He's going to put cannons on. I'm going to put cannons on. If they don't hunt it every three days, I'm going to cannons because I don't want to meet up all the cover around it. Right. Oh, yes, sir. So he calls them and tells them that they need to hunt. Well, they don't go hunt for five days, so he does it. So I don't, I don't know what happened, but my, the reason I'm talking about this is make sure when you do some subleasing to somebody, you get wrote down in your contract what you expect. I've been on that end of the deal on both sides. I've had I've leased land, and I had a farmer dig some peanut or plow some peanuts under right after I'd done some one time while I was fighting mad. Yeah. Make sure you have in your contract – what 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 the agreement is you know do you know are we supposed to uh put cannons out or or, or is anybody else going to be in there because one of the things that a lot of i deal with a lot of deer hunters here i don't do a lot of deer hunting but we have subleased deer land and stuff and i deal with a lot of guys will call and ask me a question they'll be like hey uh i have a lot of guys call me wanting to lease their land out and I'll usually what I do is I'll know some guys looking for a deer lease. Not a bunch that I don't jump in the subleasing game. But one of the questions is, is family members hunting. Mm-hmm. Well, if you lease your land out, you've got a 1,000 acres deer hunting land or duck hunting, whatever it is, and you lease it out for $10 an acre, let's say, $10,000, and then you want to take your family hunting every weekend. Well, fuck, that's what them guys paid for. They paid for the hunting. Right. You know, it's the same as if you leased a house and thought, well, I'm going to let someone live in the house on weekends. Well, fuck, that's – Could you let – now, could you let your family go without you on, on this lease, on your lease? What do you mean? I'm, I'm lost here. Like, if you did, if you couldn't go that weekend, but your brother and your nephew it wanted be, to go. It would be whatever's in the lease agreement. Like, but is that something that you need to put in the lease agreement? Like, I, listen, I'm leasing this. No, I mean, it's just what I do with hunting is my business. That should be the way it is. The guy who owns the land, if he leases the hunting out to Joe Bob... If Joe Bob takes 100 people with him or one people, that's between him and Joe Bob. But can Joe Bob have his brother go out there without Joe Bob if Joe on Bob, the hunt? I would think that if Joe Bob's got the hunt, at least he could tell whoever wanted to go hunting. I guess it would be what's written in there. But what I'm talking about is he's, I've had I've had a guy call me one time, and he said, Jeff, I've got 160 acres. It was out by Wichita Falls. He said, I'd like to lease a farm and the hunting out on this, deer hunting out on it. got a lot of deer. What do you think he'd get me? I spend small, trakes, small acreage like that brings really good money because – one guy will lease it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So I said, I-, I bet you if it's really good property. So I went and looked at it, and you could take two nice bucks off of it. It was a nice place. I said, you could easily get $3,000 for this. That's 20 bucks an acre. Almost. That's good money. Mm-hmm. He goes, you think so? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, would you be interested in it? I was like, I don't want to pay 3000 for it because I'm going to have to sublease it to make some money off the deal. I said, I'd give you 2500 for it, make $500, make one call, be easy $500. He goes, the only thing is I'd like to be able to, you know, if my family comes in, we can hunt a weekend here or there. I was like, well, that ain't going to work. Well, yeah, but we, I mean, we don't want to not be able to hunt also. Well, then, then don't lease it. Then don't lease it. Yeah. And, and I, t- I tried to explain to him. I said, listen, I said, this place here has got a lot of deer on it. It's right outside the sea limits of Wichita. I said, but nobody wants to pay to lease that and put their feeders and stuff up. And then you and your kids come in there and shoot a couple of deer off of it. Right. Well, yeah, but we've always shot some deer. Well, then don't keep, lease it. Keep shooting the deer. You know, if you want to make some money off of it, you can't expect these guys right. to lease it and then to say, well, we can't hunt the Thanksgiving weekend because, you know, the guy that owns it, him and his family is going to come hunt. Right. Fuck, they're hunting it. There's not enough deer out there. Yeah. It's not like deer fly in magically like a goose does. You're shooting the same deer that are there all the time. But it had a couple of nice bucks off of it. But he just couldn't understand it. Well, then he subleased it to some guys. Mm-hmm. And then guess what happened? Had a big disagreement. A big, big, big fucking argument and fight and had to get attorneys involved and everything, all because 
of the same shit I told him about. But did he put it in in writing that he was going to be out there on certain weekends? I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what all happened. I just know that the guys that paid to hunt on the deal, the guys, yeah, because they 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 should the kid his son shot a big ass deer. I mean, a hundred and fifty or sixty inch deer off these guys. They were paying to hunt that deer. Yeah, and it just don't work that way. And, And and the flip side of that. I know a guy that owns a big ranch that wanted to take his grandson quail hunting. It was after deer season was over. He said, my grandson's going to be in this weekend. We'd like to go shoot some quail. Do you mind if we go over to this trap over here to the side? had nothing to do with the main part of the ranch. Oh, we can't let you do that. We got that lease. Right. Oh, okay. So guess what happened when that lease come up, dude? He didn't fuck, get it. Fuck, no, they were gone. Couldn't understand it either. You know? And I thought, you know, the guy wasn't asking to shoot trophy buck. He was asking to shoot some quail out of a place. Y'all weren't even quail hunting that much. Pick, pick your battles on e- these things. Exactly. Because especially if you want, if it's a good piece of land and you want it to last, you got to make peace with the guy that owns the motherfucker. Big difference between a 10,000 acre piece of property and 160 acres. Yeah. I mean, there's times, every, every situation's different. Yeah. Now, back to the, to the waterfowl aspect of it. Another thing that you need to think about having in your contract is, like Jeff said earlier, is when they can plow under or destroy or whatever the food source. Because like Jeff said, he, he, he made a deal and the farmer plowed under these peanuts. Farmer plowed, plowed under all of his peanuts. Well, in the contract, it just said he'd leave them up to what, spring or something like that? No, no, no. He was supposed to leave through the season. But what happened was is he, he was left his lease. Oh, that's He right. knew he was leaving his lease, mm-hmm. and he didn't tell me that. So when January 1 got over there, the new farmer comes in, starts plowing things up, getting ready for his crop. And you had no... And I, nothing, nothing I could stand on, because the guy that I leased land from didn't even have any... It's not his anymore. It didn't even have any part of the... That, that wasn't even his no more. It was just a fucked up deal. And I learned my lesson on that. Just dot your I's, cross your T's. Yeah, and you need to do that. I, I, know, I know a guy up north that leased some corn this year. He leased corn. We'll just say three pivots of corn. And he paid the money up front for the guy, went there to go hunting. And the guy, as soon as he got his corn off, he deep plowed everything. Ooh. So that guy's like, oh, yeah, that's leased to you. Well, right. There's nothing to there's fucking There's nothing eat. there to hunt. When there's no groceries on it, there's nothing there. There's no, no reason for the birds to be on it. It's useless. That's right. I mean, there are some places, some some there are some, situ- some fields. We have some up here. They have nothing on them, but they're right by the the lake on the flight line. You're going to shoot birds off of them just because of where they're at. Especially on shitty days. Yes. High wind days, low low ceiling days, fog, snow, rain. You're going to kill birds. You can you can kill birds off of it. And, and they're they're very, and they're good pieces of property to have, and they're property that we can hunt on that we use at situations like that. We wouldn't hunt them any other day, but there's mm-hmm. days we know it's, oh, it's going to be snowy and shitty. That's where we're hunting. We'll kill a limit of birds, and you do. Now, if it's just a random-ass peanut field off of the main flyway that birds go to when there's food there, but if there ain't fucking food there, they don't go there any other time, you're screwed. Yes. So have a date in writing. You will leave your crop up, or not crop, but the remnants of your crop, corn, peanuts, whatever, until January 25th, or whatever your date is. And I had, a, I had another outfitter called me the other day, and he hunts up by where we do in Oklahoma. Same generalized, within 300 miles of his area. <laughs> And so he told me, he said, he said, he called and asked me, he said, have you ever had anybody try to lease land out from under you? Only for 27 years. Yeah. He goes, we took a guy on a hunt from Louisiana on a hunt on a field and we shot a bunch of geese one day. And he said, it was before the split. Then after the split, he said that guy called him, the farmer did during the split. And he said, hey, you guys can't hunt on my property no more. He goes, what happened? He said, well, I got to come in here and lease all that. 
See, they said, yeah, a guy from Louisiana. He said, hmm. real nice guy. He said, close to the same town you're from. And named the town and stuff. Guy went and leased it. Well, what's funny thing is, he said, those fucking birds were never within 20 miles of that field Good. again. It was just a one-day deal. Those birds got in that field for two or three days, a wheat field, and they hunt them. These guys went and paid two or $3,000 for the field for the year to lease it. Mm. And they didn't realize that those birds aren't in the same fields all the time. Yeah. There's areas like where we are down here that the birds stay in the same areas a lot of times. Up there, we bounce around a lot. Now, there are some fields that are good year in and year out, but it takes a while to figure that out. Yeah. And we'll have a field every once in a while one year that'll be good, and we'll hunt it two or three or four times one year. That's and never, it. never see birds in it again for five years. But, but that happened. But I've noticed a lot of that because this is the time all these guys are getting on these hunting clubs. Yep. And that's a big topic right now is all the hunt clubs up north. When I say north, I'm talking the Missouri area in Arkansas. That seems to be the big topic right now. But all the different things going on in the waterfowl world. And then I, saw, I read this stuff about the lease, and I thought that was pretty interesting because you need to, if you're leasing land, you need to get that all writ, wrote down in writing. And if you're subleasing, because there's a lot of old boys that make a living subleasing waterfowl, yeah. deer hunting, all kinds of stuff. My, If it was me... I'd go talk to the guy that's the farmer ranching that thing or the owner. I, most of the times, the guys that are subleasing that property, they don't want you to do that. Right. Because they want you to deal with them only because th this is their biggest fear. I'm going to get a five-year lease on this, and for five years, I'm going to make money off the guys. But then when five years is over, if they're good tenants and they do a good job, they're going to deal directly with the landowner, and they're going to cut me out. Yep. There ain't nothing you can do about that. That's life. That's business. That's part of it. So they try not to get you two together. They want it always to be a separate. And that's why I don't get into subleasing bullshit. Just too much of a headache. But if if you're going to sublease a property, a duck hole, and they tell you, oh, we're going to flood it, you need to go talk to the guy who's got the flooding going on that can flood the f property for you. You know, JoJo in Shreveport that's doing the subleasing and this stuff, he's not the one with the water pumps and stuff. Yeah. And so you're going to have to deal with that farmer, so you need, to get a, you need to get a relationship built with that guy. And if that guy decides in the middle of next year that he's going to plant cotton instead of a grain, then you're fucked, and there's more and more cotton going in everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you need to find these things out. Yeah, just dot your eyes, cross your T's, because it's uh, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And if anything is murky, uh, it'll really get it'll really get ugly whenever the worst case scenario happens. And and I get the call every year from another outfitter, and they'll call me up and they'll, hey, what what's happened in this situation? And I get a lot of calls like this guy. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not an expert by any means. But most things that have happened, I've had to deal with one time or another, or I know somebody that has. Most farm contracts, the guy who's got the farm and lease has a hunt and lease with it. Right. It goes hand in hand. Right. In some places, some instances, it doesn't. When it doesn't, you need to make sure you're dealing with the guy that's got permission. Because I know of a lot of times where that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Just figure out who's got it because um, I know that that's a big deal, especially on like day lease places. Yes. It really gets nasty. One 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 guy talks to the farmer, one guy talks to the owner, and the game warden gets called the next morning. So it's just real important have everything, have everything every wor run through every worst case scenario situation in your head before you do these leases. That way, if anything happens, you've got it in writing, and it just protects you, the landowner, the farmer, whoever you're dealing with. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just. And that, and it's it, all shit that happens every and, year. And that's the stuff that's happening right now. Guys are releasing their stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I know there's a guy in Oklahoma that was trying to lease out a bunch of peanuts around Fort Cobb. My thing is, is you better make sure that you're leasing out peanuts are going to be put in place next year. 
Right. Because right now, a lot of guys are switching to cotton up there. A lot of places. Any place that's got irrigation, a lot of guys are going to cotton. Well, and a lot of guys rotate their crops. Yep. So make, so, make sure you're not paying for what he done next this year, year this year and what you're getting for next year because there's going to be a lot more places. Like, we're supposed to have a lot more peanuts next year than we did this year. Here in Texas. Yeah, and I don't know if that's true or not. I know Fort Cobb put in a lot of cotton last year, and I heard they're supposed to have more cotton this year. So I don't know if that's true or not. So Even where we hunted, there was more cotton oh, this year. Oh, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. <sighs> and it's getting – I hate that shit. I hate cotton. My allergies act up whenever they're gin and cotton. It's horrible. Well, do you really think anything that's good enough – they spray on something to make it die yeah. that's going to be good for you to breathe? Somebody – I heard that a, a cotton is a perennial. If you didn't touch it, yeah, it don't would you grow s- every you year. You see it in a lot of places. I think it's. I think it gets too cold here. Well, you see it in places in the ditches and stuff. They don't plant it in the ditches, right? It just comes on if it's seed that's fallen or whatever it is. But you've seen, I've seen uh, volunteer cotton pop up in places. Mm-hmm. The snow goose competition. Oh yeah, let's talk about the snow goose competition. Winning team was 189 birds. Big, big, big drama the God first damn, day. Didn't, I, did, did, didn't we say like over 1,000, 1,200 and yeah, shit? I think I picked the lowest and I picked 700. <laughs> but in our defense, I think things are pretty tough right now everywhere. Yeah, the guy. I don't know anybody that's killing a lot of snow geese. I'm sure there's somebody going to listen to this. Motherfucker, we killed. Well, then send, send some pictures to me and I believe you. I don't dis. I don't, if you cut, tell me you did it, I believe you. I don't have a reason not to believe you, but I just haven't seen a lot of snow goose kills this year. Mm-hmm. And and all the guys that we're friends with on Instagram and on the Stanfield page and on Facebook and all the social media, and I have not seen very many snow geese being killed. Yeah, I mean I've seen some guys kill forty birds here and fifty birds here, and one guy one group did kill one hundred and forty. To me, that's a damn good hunt with ten guys. But they're not they're not killing the birds at the level. And then there's a guy that's on my Facebook page. I can't remember who it was, and he was in that area yesterday, and he said usually they see about three million geese wherever he traveled to and from and he said he didn't see a snow goose yesterday hmm. so i'm assuming they've all left and went further north it's just weird year it's all right i mean it's 75 here right now yeah and and i guess the first we're gonna have the guy on that won the contest we're yep. gonna have them on next week He'll with us next week and we'll go about how they did they decoy hunted and did theirs i know the first day there was some drama because the group that was ahead after one day shot 143 birds i think yeah, the first over, day over five decoys on, on a, a loaf, roost on a loaf or a roost loaf lake pond. or whatever it is but you know, that was in the rules. Well, somebody, I guess it said no roost hunting. I don't know. In the rule, I, I didn't look, but that I know that was the big stink. If it's a love pond and that's what they kind of use midday, guy had his hide right. Well, he did it. I mean, had a couple decoys. I, I know uh, one guy was, was complaining because uh, he didn't set out a big spread, didn't have an e-collar. I guess he set up, like you said, five, five decoys and hid in the bushes. And I don't know if he let them, if he let everything land and then just ground raked them or what. But it sounded like to me what I read was they shot 140 out of one whack. Well, I don't, Ten guys shooting however many rounds off into a bunch. I can see it. That's what I would have done. I mean, I the guys did. It was a decoy hunt. Yeah, I mean they didn't specify how many decoys. If they want to do this next year, this would be some. This would be my advice. Another thing of having everything say no water hunting. Yep. I, my my, this is my advice on that deal, and I have nothing to do with the snow goose game. I've never done it, so I'm about as unprepared. I have no knowledge of how to snow goose hunt. I don't have any. 
put it in the rules. You got a decoy hunt. You got to have at least a thousand decoys out, and you have to use e collars. And you cannot hunt on water, like you said. It's going to be a dry field hunt. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if there's very many dry fields up there because it looks like everything was laying in mud, and muck, and nasty shit. I don't, I don't know. But, but or let them shoot roost lakes. Who cares a shit? I mean, the the whole goal of the conservation season is to rip the geese up. Kill That's it, what it's all. Kill as want. many as you can. So hunt, hunt the fucking roost lakes. That's what I would do. I would. Would you not? Yeah. I mean, you know where they got to go. I mean, that's it's, it's a lot and, easier to decoy them into a small body of water than it is a big. Birds ass field. get so dumb when you're hunting water. Yep. Dumber than sh- especially um, if you're hunting an area that's only got you know water is limited and you know this is where they have to have to go because I know the main thing that a lot of guys that are snow goose hunting right now is talking about the poor the poor hatches. There's not many juvies. There's a lot of adults. Adults are smart over the fields, which I can attest to from this year. You know, um, part of the reason that we kind of had our ups and downs was you're hunting educated birds. And if you're hunting a, an adult snow goose, you're talking about some of the wariest creatures on, on this earth. But if you can get those bastards over water, I mean, they're just fucking stupid. Canada's too. And if you can get them over water, a loaf or, or whatever, they just get silly. You know, another thing that was really simple that nobody thought of that you could fix to, to make sure things didn't legal. Everybody has to, have to take a GoPro and put it up in their spread mm. and show. Because you, if you kill 180 birds and you can show you're decoy hunting and killed most of them on your GoPro, then it's going to be hard to say that, hey, these guys weren't lying. Here's a, here's a chip of what we did. Everybody's got a GoPro. It costs yeah, 100 Who's going to go through that? Who's going to watch the whole video? You of can them? scroll real fast through one real fast on a computer. Right. That's that, just that easier than. like a lot of trouble. It's a lot easier than having to have someone have a, a, a what's it called? A polygraph. A polygraph test. You show the guy, say, hey, so-and-so show on my watch, here I am, boom, here's starting to film, and then when it's over, boom, we're done, and here's the deal. Shows the whole hunt. Real simple deal to show, and that way it shows you that they're decoy hunting. I don't think they'll ever be in Because all all somebody has to do is say, oh, well, fuck, I thought it was on, if they were cheating. Well, then you're disqualified if you can't show a chip. It's real simple. I don't know. How hard would that be? We don't do that, but we could do it. We've got the we got the GoPros. Yeah, but and then what happens if the GoPro fails? If something does happen, there's a bad chip or, or whatever, then you're disqualified all well, because of something technical. I'd make sure I had two GoPros. I would just like to think that uh, you know guys work, but you know you put sixty grand on the line, and I don't think some people's I, morals go right out the window. I bet they don't do it again next year. They caught a. It sounded pretty bad. Fist fights and. Some rest, maybe. I bet the, all the outfitters in the area didn't really like it much either. Mm. Then I saw some some guy got pissed off because someone goes, well, did Habitat Flats team, did, did they win it? What do they need it for? They were rich enough. Was Habitat Flats in it? I don't even know if they were or not, but I just saw some guy bitching about it. On I thought, you know, who gives a shit how much money they make? The guy had a great business plan, you know. You know, some rich guys developed land and turned themselves into something that they want to do, and God right. bless them for that. But, well, they're rich enough. That's, not like, that's the most democratic thing you can fucking say. Well, how much money is too much money? Yeah. It's just jealousy is all it is. I've never had too much money. No. And I don't think I could ever have too much money, but I'd sure like to try it. It's just jealousy. It's just like anything else. That guy drives by the field. Say a guy in, in your area has two or three hot fields. Well, fuck. Well, goddamn. He just got all the hot fields. Doesn't he have enough? He can't share a little bit? It's just jealousy is all it is. You know, and I guess it would be just like up here and everywhere. Well, there are times and days where we have all the fields locked up and the birds are all on our shit. And there's times, and there's that times we don't that we it. don't. And we're yeah. begging and visiting. 
Now, luckily, we have a good enough relationship, even in both places now, in Oklahoma and in Texas, especially in Texas. Justin Hill, our buddy, we, we work together a lot. Yep. And it makes for a good relationship, which we're friends off when season's over. We talk all the time. He texts me on vacation, visit. I mean, he's a good friend of ours, and it works out really well that way. And that's one thing I would highly recommend and stress to anybody that's in the hunting business. Make the friends. guys that you're – that you're bitter enemies with or you think you're enemies with that do the same thing you do get along work together it makes your life so much easier mm-hmm. it'll save you money in the long run uh you're gonna have to have some trust and, and 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 i mean we've helped each other before justin's has hunted his customers with ours we've hunted them with him you've guided for him and stuff we don't say yep. nothing i mean it's just part of it uh we run our groups that we've ran our groups together before you know you, you, the whole bottom line to the deal is to Put your people on clients on birds. Right. People love to hunt. That's yep. what it's about. And the more good hunts you have, and if, if you work together, in the long run, it's a lot easier. I agree. And I know there are some sleazeball guys out there that would try to t- fuck you over on that situation. And if it is, their guys are going to ruin themselves anyways. If if the guys that started Webfoot a long time ago were still in business, do you think you could have buried the hatchet and got along with them, though? Yeah, because I did with another guy this year. Yeah, but that's... I'm 50 now. I'm not 25. Well, anymore. I understand that, but you know, it was it was nasty. Well, yeah. I mean, we like I said the other day, it's the closest I've ever seen anybody come to blows. Actual guys actually getting a fight. And if they would have got out of their truck and rolled their windows down, Tony probably would have beat all their asses. So you think y'all could have buried the hatchet and hunted together and kumbaya and everything else? I, I don't know. After 25 years, there's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of shit. Then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a. I mean. All it takes is one little olive branch being, yeah, and then you're kind of like, oh, you know. But they did they they, they did every they did you know, um, the guy that that you made peace with this year. His business plan was not to knock us out. No, knock us out of business. No, no. theirs was yes, one hundred percent. They got in business to take us out. And who's still in business? Correct. And my life's been pretty damn good. I'm blessed. Everything that happened happened for a reason. So you saying that, you know, you buried the hatchet with this other guy versus them, you know, he just went off and, and started his own deal where these guys started their own deal and you know what? We're going to fuck you. We we got your client list and all this other stuff. Yeah. That's, I, I think, so it was a little bit more vindictive. There's, there, in my mind, there's more, there would be more, it'd be harder to get over. 25-year-old Jeff? Hell no. 50-year-old Jeff? And you might have, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know, but the way things are now, I don't. I, it's a, better to work with everybody than it is against everybody. I have, it, it, when you get in this business, I've got, I I know this sounds horrible, but I have lots of guys call me lots of times about a lot. Every day I get a call from another outfitter on something it, it, all over the United States. And a lot of it's just little bullshit stuff. Sometimes some people just want to visit and say, hey, mm-hmm. tell me, you know. I don't. I'll try to help anything I can. Give you my best advice. This is a tough business. We need the the better off we all are in the hunting business of killing birds and being successful. The longer we're going to be doing this, because everything, if you think about, it, is stacked against us right now. Yeah. Now the politicians are going to get start getting involved in these limits. Have you seen that? Well, I, I saw somebody shared it to the big honker uh, on the Maryland closed group. Yeah. And see, I now, didn't. I didn't read it. I was busy today. Now the politicians are wanting to get involved because they're going to shut the hunting business, change the way it's going to be done, seasons and the limits. So you're going to get a bunch of fucking bureaucrats that have no fucking clue about hunting going to get involved with it. And it just don't, it's not there? good. Well, no shit. But it's they just, get involved in business, and many of them are just career politicians that didn't know fuck all from 
Yeah. Come here from Sikkim that, on business. That dumb bitch from New York that cost Amazon Ooh. or cost the city of New York. She she that she fucked New York. The whole that whole the whole state the whole place. She screwed it to him big time, and she's so proud of that. And she don't know what she did to that guy that owns that little gas station or deli on the corner by where I am. He would have had a great yeah had a great great life compared to what I don't know what his life's now. But it'd been so much better with all them people making good money buying donuts, coffee, whatever they'd have bought. His business would have picked up crazy. And all because she's a dumbass has no clue. But she made a comment the other day that maybe the guy that owns Starbucks should start somewhere in his his political career without such big aspirations. Maybe run for council or something. Lady, you're a fucking bartender a year ago, and you, you you won because you're a dumbass liberal, and you're in an area that everybody's fucking stupid. Yep. It's like the people that vote for Maxine Waters. They all live in poverty. The people that Sheila Jackson Lee, the lady from Houston, that's the slums of Houston, the ghettos. And and she's got an Ivy League degree, yeah. but she hasn't done nothing to help them people. Mm-mm. You know, so I just I, I get so sick of that shit with these people. But, but I'm glad Amazon pulled the plug because I think it's great. Uh, Bezo is not a Trump guy. No, at not all. at all. Hates him. Owns the Washington <coughs> Post. But he is a uh, business guy first. That's right. And he said, "Well, okay, so fuck you. We just won't do it. In, where's he going to do it at? Which I don't know why you'd want to do it in New York anyway. The taxes are so high. Well, they were getting a tax break to do it. Oh, but it's essential of the it's a, you know the heartbeat of the world basically business wise. Sure. No, that's why they did it. Absolutely. And New York's the king of getting people to come there and giving them ten years, and then they get locked in there, and then they stay there. Right. And that was their whole plan. It's funny. Two hundred eighty-eight cities were bidding for this same contract. So really? you're telling me that there's two hundred eighty-eight places. I wish Knox City would do it. We don't have the infrastructure for it or nothing. No. But can you imagine a small town like that getting something like that? Wow. My, Did you see bees? Everything. I just went off. No, it didn't. I am. There it is now. I couldn't hear shit for a while. Bezo had to write a hell of a check to that ex-wife of his, though. How much did he write her a check for? I think it's like. Uh, let me look. It, it's appalling. Okay, if you're a single guy out there, or if you're married, not happily married, this is the one you need to go after. <laughs> yeah, well, you know there was there was no prenup or anything like that. So, Ooh, so she got a billion dollars. <clears throat> More than that. God Almighty, boy, that's that's. The, you want to own your own Habitat Flats? Marry this woman. You could buy the whole state of North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Pulling it up, yeah, because I mean, she got with him when there was uh, when he was nothing. I mean, he was just, um, you know, just start had an online thing. Yeah, it says here it's CNN.com. How that pulls up first on mine, I have no idea. Uh, they were married twenty five years, so yeah, he was he was a nobody. Uh, whenever they did that. Yeah, it's more like uh, seventy billion. Good lord! His net worth is one hundred and forty billion. And so he wrote her a check for seventy billion dollars. But he's not gonna miss that. No. Gosh, Almighty! Could you imagine that kind of money? You know, think back to this. But they say like he's just. 15, he's all about work. Fifteen years ago, well, he's not all about work. He was banging that chick. Her brother's the one that leaked all that too. Ooh. Could you imagine 15 years ago? Selling books. You could have chose Amazon or eBay. What would you have taken? eBay. Yes, in a heartbeat. And he thought, man, the people at eBay are smart as hell. Well, Amazon. Do you ever get on eBay anymore? No. 
I don't ever even it's look all at just eBay. like it's all knockoff shit. It's like people's, you know, it's just basically the garage sale. I bought some antique decoys and stuff off there before. Yeah, things like that. But I don't ever, I don't even look at eBay ever. But I get on Amazon every freaking day. My my phone went off Mingo, and your mom just bought some more shit off Amazon. She got, uh, yeah, about seventy billion. Sixty-six billion is what it says here. But who's we're splitting hairs at that point? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Sixty-six billion dollars. I would I would buy North or South Dakota probably. Mm. Can you imagine the? Pro- That's what I would do too. I would buy me a lot of ranch land. He won't miss it though. That's what's crazy. Think about it this way: the the Wagner Ranch He'll just rebuild. So so for seven hundred million. Yeah. That's a lot of dough. You could buy sixty six of those. Mm. Still have enough money to do whatever the hell you wanted forever. She believed in them. Stuck with him, but I heard that they were se- they've been separated for a while. So he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't living two lives, going home to her every night. They've been separated for a while. Well, it's a lot of dough. That's Buy a lot. lot of decoys with that. Mm. So that's scary money. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a lot of money. Mm. What a life! What a life! What a life! Okay, back to waterfowl. This next week coming up on this deal, we're gonna have. The Flyway Federation. I'm sure if you guys are on Facebook and you've, you've, guys, you've been seeing this, all about the hot cropping, the flooded, the flooded corn. They've, you know, they've they've sparked enough interest. They've got Ducks Unlimited and Delta have been debating with them back and forth. They've sent out videos. It's going to be an interesting deal. Josh Goins is the gentleman's name, I believe. I'm going to make sure I got that right. He just messaged me a minute ago. We're going to have him on next week. He will be on with us. And we'll have the winner from the Max Prairie Wings. Snow Goose competition. He'll uh, he'll come on and talk to him a little bit about how he did it, what the what the bird count was, and all that other good stuff. And he so. owned the guy who won it. His name's Louis, and he owns Wings of the Prairies Outfitters. It'll be a fun. Got a fun week coming up, I think. Yep, and then when the third show, we may do a family show, and we may do a show with somebody else. Who knows? We'll see. And if you're wanting to shoot some wild hogs, fair chase, not 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 high fence hunt. Call us. We got we got spring hog hunts available for March and April. We do them guided. We do them unguided. We hunt at night. We hunt during the day. That's at StanfieldHunting.com or 940-658-3172. Ask for Jeff. Anything else you want to plug? That's it. Are you gonna are you gonna start working on my kitchen this year this week? Yeah. Talk to your brother. I need to get with him. Okay. But yep, that's it. So next week will be a lot of fun. I'm glad we we had a we had a great ski trip. Had a safe ski ski trip other than pain, um, banging up his shoulder a little bit. But he will be back. So yeah, that's really it. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.